This is Trainer Talk, presented by Fasig Tipton on the Horse Racing Radio, Horse Network. Racing Radio Network. Trainer Todd Fletcher has reached the stratosphere. It was all have another for Doug O'Neill. Moon over Miami for Bill Mott. 3,000 for trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer D-Way Lucas, a six win. And Bob Baffert with another incredible milestone. But it was all for Scott McGee. Win number 1,000 for the great Trevor McCarthy. Here's 2,000 for Nick Zito. Steve Asperson is now North America's all-time leading trainer. Now, here's Mike Penna. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show trainers listen to. It is Trainer Talk, and it is all presented by Fasic Tipton right here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Mike Penna, Baron of the Backstretch, excited to have you joining me for the next hour on Sirius 162 XM 207 and streaming live worldwide on our website, horseracingradio.net. As always, if you aren't able to catch the live show, you can listen to every Trainer Talk episode along with all of our weekly talk shows we bring your way. You can do that via podcast on our HRRN website and all podcast platforms each and every week. Well, today's show isn't going to focus on a Kentucky Derby winning trainer or a trainer with thousands of career victories or even a trainer who is just beginning their career. But you are going to hear from a trainer who brings with him one of the more unique stories I've had the privilege to discuss here on Trainer Talk over the years. My guest for the next hour has saddled his first starter in 2004, 20 years ago. In that inaugural season, his runners went 0 for 12, followed by an 0 for 22 campaign in 2005. But the native of Western Canada was undeterred. Over the past two decades, his runners have graced the winner's circle 91 times, highlighted by a grade three victory in the 2014 renewal of the Celine Stakes at Woodbine. But it was 10 days ago, on New Year's Eve, that he would receive news of what he described as being one of the best things someone had ever told him. The man who was raised in between northern Alberta and the Kikino Metis settlement and the Salto and Musoman reserves in Saskatchewan will be inducted into the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame on March 16th. It's an incredible honor, and it is my honor to welcome the Hall of Famer Harold Latisor to Trainer Talk, presented by Fasic Tipton. Harold, congratulations, my friend, and thank you for spending some time with me here today. All right. Thank you very much. A pleasure to join you. One of the best things someone had ever told you. How did you receive the news, my friend? It was my wife, and uh, it was just before, uh, you know, we were after dinner and stuff, before New Year's Eve, like the, the midnight, and I didn't stay up for that, obviously. And she told me, and I was like, you're kidding. And, I was, and she said, no, for real. And I was like, wow, it was just unbelievable. So, you know, like it's, it's a feeling that's hard to explain, I guess. You know, Chris Lamont, who was with the Woodbines communication team, did a wonderful article about this occurrence in your life. And he went back through your life and your career in that story. It was really well done. And you had said it's an amazing feeling, but you talked about how your mom was so happy and so proud. You were so proud. Your kids, Jacob and Sarah, were very proud. Uh, what does this mean to you, Harold? Well, being indigenous and coming from uh, the 
background that I have uh, with Native people, it's just very exciting for me. It's, it feels good. It's like such a great honor. And that's why they're so proud of me, I guess. Take me back to the beginning. Horses have been part of your family's history and existence for decades. So walk me back to the beginning, growing up in Western Canada, being Indigenous. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, as long as I can remember, I was I was riding horses, like ponies and all just all kinds of horses, even my uncle's horses, which we didn't even have saddles or bridles. We just go catch them in the bush. They had, one had a bell, an old broodmare had a bell so we could find them. <laughs> and uh, we would take a little twine or a rope and catch them because they were that wild, not wild, like they were that tame, and they would just let us jump on them and we'd ride them for hours. And then uh, my grandparents had a riding stable when I was real little and they had ponies and stuff. So it was, like I said, ever since I can remember, I've, I've been riding horses. You used to go out and catch wild horses and jump on them? Yeah, well, they weren't wild, but, like, you know, they were loose. They were my uncle's horses out in the forest <laughs> in, the, in the bush at the Kikino Métis settlement. And, uh, yeah, we would just ride them. They didn't have bridles or saddles. We would tie a rope in their mouth and just go. Talk to me cool, about... Actually. Oh. Yeah, you are, I believe, Harold, and I could be wrong, but I think you are uh, the first person that has appeared on this Trainer Talk show in more than a decade now that comes with this background. So tell me more about growing up on the settlement and, and what that involved and, and some of the history there of your heritage. Well, uh, the history of my heritage is I, my father was Métis and my mom's father comes from the Mooseman Indian Reservation in Saskatchewan. So the heritage is mixed. It's Métis and Native, which I'm very proud of to be like to grew up like that. There was a lot of fishing, you know, like different kind of fishing, not like with the hook and stuff. They would use a net or we would snare fish in the creeks in the springtime and go set snares and trap, you know, like muskrat, beaver. I, I learned a lot of that from my uncles. They were trappers. And I kind of grew up wanting to do that stuff, but I still had the love for the horses. So I went the horse way, and I know how to do the trapping stuff, but it's the love of the horses that drew me away from from the settlements and the reserve. I went to the racetracks. All do you over, ever, actually. Do you ever get to go home and, and experience some of that trapping and, and do some of that? Actually, we had a squirrel problem at our house in <laughs> Keswick, Canada, and I showed my son how to set snares, and I actually caught one. They were, they were a little <laughs> bit freaked out. <laughs> but So, yeah, uh, that way we do. But I, I explained a lot of stuff to him, like, I used to be able to catch wild chickens without a a gun like we could snare them. They, if you had a good dog, they would chase them into the trees and the, the chicken wouldn't fly away if the dog kept barking. Uh, so you'd had time to catch, set your snare and then catch it. You could pull it out of the tree and they were so delicious. Those wow. wild chickens. 
I love it. So what what led you to to the racetrack? What led you to get involved with? Obviously, horses were part of your life, but what led you to get involved with the racetrack? Well, I was probably about twelve or thirteen, and the Metal Lake Stampede in Saskatchewan, and uh, my uncle had these horses he was racing, and he didn't have a jockey. So they just put the helmet on me and threw me on all packed up, <laughs> just with normal clothes, not like not a jockey's clothes, obviously, just a kid. And I uh, went to the races and the horse freaking took off out of the gate. Uh, I like, I never even was in a starting gate in my life. And uh, my foot comes out of the iron one side and I just stayed on the horses in front, the helmets over my eyes. And uh, all of a sudden, we're like at the wire, coming towards the wire, because the horse was obviously doing it. I had no part of it. I was just hanging on. Uh, and the horse just catches me right at the wire. like So I finished second in my first ever bush race, which was uh, quite an experience. I'm impressed that you were able to stay on the horse. Yeah, one foot out of the iron, helmet over my eyes, and just hanging on, like, but I was, I'm a good rider. I've been riding, like I said, forever. I, I can really stay on a good horse, like a wild horse, a good horse. I love riding good horses. That's the fun, the fun of riding horses, but I've rode all kinds. Do you think that experience you had getting on your uncle's horses when they were running loose and you're on them bareback, do you think that helped you when you decided to start getting into working with horses and then being aboard them on a more serious basis? Oh, yeah, guaranteed. I've been told that I have uh, great hands by some of some trainers, like good trainers, old goody good one and Alex Davies from Alberta. They told me that you've got really good hands, like you, you can settle a horse down nice. Do you get on your horses today, the ones you're training? Yeah, I got on three of them. Shaman's Girl, Galactic Glory, and Rafferu, a three-year-old colt that Frank Stronach owns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he hasn't started yet, but he's got a lot of potential there. He's a beautiful, beautiful animal. He's by heart's fun. When you're on those horses, are you just galloping in the mornings, or are you actually working them? Sometimes I, well, I set them up for works. Like I'm good at it. Like I, the jockeys love working my horses. They 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 say that it's like it's a you know it makes their job easy because the horses are ready for it when they they get up. Oh, pretty incredible stuff. Harold Leducer with me here on Trainer Talk, presented by Phasic Tipton. He is going to be inducted if you missed it as i was opening the show he is going to be inducted into the north american indigenous athletics hall of fame on march 16th and harold tell me a little bit more about that hall of fame there are a lot of people listening that probably didn't even know that that existed and to be perfectly honest with you i had to go back and look it up too uh it it's a recent uh organization yeah it is a recent uh organization but there's like it's for native people like we everybody else has their hall of fames and it's i guess that's why they started it cuz native people deserve their have deserve to have their own hall of fame so and it's for the sports part of it 
So, you know, like there's not a lot of athletes that, of natives that get recognized. And I guess this is how they want to do it. Well, it's truly a special honor. No matter what Hall of Fame you're getting into, for whatever reason, you know that you've done something right. Why do you think you were you were selected for this honor, Harold? Well, I think it's for some of the achievements that I've done, like from starting with nothing, literally, and, you know, buying that mare we had, Paladin Bay, and then we bred a stakes winner, uh, the training for Kirk Sutherland, and, you know, winning at the inaugural at Turf Endurance Series at Woodbine uh, with a claimer, and just some of those things, I guess, like, uh, we've, I've only won 91 races, but uh, five of them were stakes wins, which is a quite a good honor, I think. Yeah, I including think the, including the grade three, Celine stakes. Yeah, like, uh, and I was second in a lot of stakes, quite like a lot of stakes races I was second in. And some of them were just by photos, so it's close you know how close it is to winning a race like that it's but still a stakes race second is nice yeah no it's fantastic it's quite an achievement you learned from your grandfather alec poitras who was also a trainer and he had a large influence on you when you were a young man tell me more about your grandfather yes he was uh he served in world war ii he was overseas and he had a lot of experience in life, and he just loved horses. So when they did, like, he was like a cattle person, like he watched for big cattle outfits, the horses, the horses, where they go check the fences and stuff. And, and uh, like I said, they had that riding stable when I was just a kid, like four or five years old, just a little guy. And all of a sudden, they had racehorses. And, uh, like, my uncles used to do chuck wagon racing. So they would get the, my grandpa would get horses for them. He knew how to pick them. So that's, then all of a sudden, they started flat racing in the bushes, like the bush circuits. In Saskatchewan and Alberta, there's a lot of them. And they, like I said, how my uncle... They didn't have a jockey that one day, and they loved me ever since then. I never lost my iron again after that <laughs> first race. Wow. I just, I know, it was just, it was like a natural. It was just like, literally like a natural. One one time in Maidstone, Saskatchewan, they had seven races, and my I won every one of them. Seven races in a day, and I won all seven. And we used to have a horse. My grandpa had a horse. Her name was A. Carroll. She could run with the quarter horses in the first race for two furlongs, like a quarter mile dash. Yeah. 400 yards or whatever it is. And then they would run a half mile, like in the fifth race. She could win them both. (laughs) Wow. I know. That's quite a horse. She'd run two races in a day, quarter mile, then a half mile. Those are the things that make this game 
what it is. Those kind of stories, Harold, that we, we don't see those stories anymore, right? But those are the no. things that took place back in the day, and they really do make racing what it is today. Well, who would even believe that could happen unless yeah. you did it yourself? You know, like like people would say, yeah, right, but it happened. My grandpa, had the, her, her name was A. Carroll. She could run a quarter mile with quarter horses, and then she could race a half mile with thoroughbred. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> it is. I have to ask you, what are chuck wagon races? Like it's a, where a team of horses is hooked up like fourth. They're usually, they, in the old days, they use other horses, but now they use thoroughbreds. And they got outriders that ride with them. Like one guy will hold the lead team before they start off, and they go around a figure eight of barrels. Like it's a barrel figure eight, and then they go on to the track. There's usually three or four teams that race at a time. Mm-hmm. Like the Calgary Stampede has the Rangeland Derby. That's chuck wagon racing. Okay. So like you would see in some of the old Western movies, for example. Yeah, exactly. Like a stagecoach. That's a yeah. chuck wagon. Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow. Unbelievable. I mean, these are these are all things that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this story that you have is so unique. I haven't talked to any other trainer over the past decade who's told me that they've been involved with chuck wagon races. So I love that, Harold. Well, I was a kid. That's how I grew up around horses. Just like I could ride a horse and lead four of them at once. How do you do that? I- I've never seen, it's only in chuck wagon racing. That's what I've seen. If you put two on each, two on your right, two on your left, and you ride one. And lead them, (laughs) pony them, four at a time. Unbelievable. What kind of pony guy could do that at the racetrack? Right. But I could. I've done it. I've done it. What kind of trainer was your, your grandfather? Pretty good? Yeah, he was good. We used to train the horses. He was the kind of trainer that said, before we eat breakfast, we got to go feed the horses. So we'd get up early, go feed the horses, because they were on a farm, obviously. We lived in town. And come back, and by then my grandma would have breakfast for us. Then we'd go back and gallop them. We used to gallop them around a field, or else there was this old trail that I loved riding them like it was like uh, it was like just from the movies you see this you're, I was riding through this like a forest literally but it was the path was so nice and it was up and down and around hills like and then go to the end where the fence was turn around and then gallop them back it was so beautiful I, I just remember that it was like incredible awesome you're background is so unique Harold I'm curious if there is anything that you still incorporate into your training methods that you learned as a young man doing all of these different disciplines and being around all these different types of horses and races and are there things that you learned as a teenager as a as a young man that you now use when you're training horses today that make it a little unique well there's some things that I believe in from my grandpa. Okay. Like he, like he used to love the horses with long, the longer the tail, the better. And they had certain marks on their face, like a, 
like a cowlick with two, like two double cowlick, they call it. Mm-hmm. He loved those horses because he said those ones had speed and they have distance. They can go fast and they can go long. And the horses with the long tail are just fast. They're guaranteed fast. Have so you found that to be the, the case? Things. Yeah, actually, I have. But I picked up my own little things, too, that I just like to look like because of my wife's help. She's so sharp with horses. So, I've, you know, like, as you get older and around horses so long your, your entire life, like, vets even ask you stuff. That's because you know horses so good. Like, Longer tails, double cowlicks, the key to finding yeah. a good horse. So let me ask you about Paladin Bay, who you selected at the sale, uh, raced in your wife Jessie's name. I mentioned a winner of the grade three Celine Stakes. Did Paladin Bay have a long tail? Because Paladin Bay was pretty quick. Yeah, she did, and she had the double cowlick. <laughs> yeah. couldn't miss but you know what you know what I, like there was another reason i liked her because she had a flaw like she had a great big splint and when you go to a sale people don't want to buy like when you see a problem they they sort of avoid it so i think we got a real good deal on her and i just loved her like she was so strong and the very first time i galloped that horse across the field we didn't even break them in a track like at a racetrack we would break them in a field and i would just gallop them get them going and just gallop them i told my wife I, like i said to her this is a steak source like this she, i knew we had a steak source and you turned out to be 100 percent correct you paid just ten thousand one hundred thirty nine dollars for her at the canadian thoroughbred horse society's canadian bread september yearling sale in 2012, that was held at Woodbine. You got her out of the Hillendale consignment, and all of a sudden, she turns out to be a horse that earns more than $600,000 on the racetrack. That has to be an incredibly good feeling, not because of the money that she made. That's great, too. But, Harold, because of the fact that you were the one who selected her, and you said, I believe in her, and you were right. My wife believed in her, and I did believe in her, but, like, she's such a story, like, the, the it's just unbelievable. Like it was meant to be for us to have her alone. Like I tried selling her at least 10 times and people just, I don't know if they didn't believe me or trust me or what, but it worked out. My wife just said, finally, let's sink or swim. And I said, okay, we'll just keep her for ourselves. And it it worked out. Yeah. It worked out so good. Yeah, the other thing I love about that story of Paladin Bay and winning the Celine Stakes is that she was ridden by jockey Jerry Olgeen. And oh. we we were honored in 2019 to receive a Sovereign Award for our coverage of the Queen's Plate. And my analyst on the broadcast that day was Jerry Olgeen. And he was retired, wow. of course, from riding. And, man, he turned out to be a star on the radio just as much as he was a star on the racetrack. One heck of a jockey. Yes. He really wasn't. He so suited that horse. Like it was, you know. Like there, there's actually a story with how we got him to ride the horse. We had uh, Gary uh, Boulanger come and work her. 
which had the same agent at the time. And, of course, Paladin Bay drops him on the training track at Fort, or at Woodbine. She jogs home, whinnying back, because our barn was right there at the training barns, it's, which right next to the training track at, at Woodbine. And we catch her. He says, uh, I says, oh, you want to switch horses? Because I was riding one at the time. We were going to work together. And he says, no, I'll ride this B-I-whatever-C-H, uh, <laughs> John Wayne Long, he says. So he drops his irons. We go back out on the track, and we get working. He's on the inside. I'm on the outside. We did a blistering three-eighths and 40, and he looks over at me, and I says, uh, everything okay? He's like, yeah, and this is a running, you know, a running son of a gun, he told me. And yeah. I was like, okay, so... The next week, uh, we get call him back, and there was a problem. Patrick Husbands had got injured, so the agent changed and got Gary Boulanger, and we set a time up for him to come work the horse, and he didn't show up. And Jerry was there to work another two-year-old for us at the time, so we go work him, and I said screw it, you could just work this one too. And he got on and worked it, and that's how he ended up getting to ride Paladin Bay. That's a fantastic yeah. story. Great story. Yeah. And and she ends up winning, Paladin Bay ends up winning by a nose over a grade one winner. The heavy favorite in that race was my Conquestadori, who uh, was really good, won the Darley Alcibiades. She was making her first start of the season in 2014, and Paladin Bay able to get her nose in front, which is really cool. Yeah, that was it was that was a big race. Like I was, like it took a lot out of Paladin Bay, but she did it. She had the heart to do it. You know, like it's just how horse racing goes. I don't think she ever recovered a hundred percent after that race because she beat such a great horse. But she still did it. She pumped herself up to do it. Did you know she had her nose in front when they hit the wire? Yes, I did. I did. I jumped for joy like you wouldn't believe. It was uh, just, you know, when people think they got it won, you can never underestimate an underdog. Just You just don't know how much pump they got. You cannot measure what's inside of a, any athlete, including an equine athlete, and that's what every trainer will tell you. It's You can do all that work with a horse, but you can't measure what's inside of them, that heart that they have. No, you can't. You sure can't. And I galloped. like we won Our last win was a stakes win at Woodbine, the, the Shady Well, and I galloped that filly all year. And I kept telling my wife she had it. I said, I knew this was a good horse. Uh, like she had said, she bucked her shins because she was so big. And that poly track sometimes is hard on that like that. But we just kept going with her. And when she came through and kicked in that shaman's girl and that race, I was like, she, it reminded me of Paladin Bay. She was literally like that kind of horse. And a two-year-old first time out against already winners and, like, but it was good. It was the first time I ever did that. That's an incredible story, and we're going to talk more about that race and some of the other moments that Harold LaDuser remembers in this 20-year training career. It is a fantastic story. 
We'll talk more next. Stay with us. It is Trainer Talk presented by Fasic Tipton right here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Fasic Tipton's Kentucky Winter Mix Sale is a hot market. Scheduled for February 5th and 6th in Lexington, Kentucky, it is the last mixed sale before the start of breeding season and annually provides sellers with quality results. Entries are still open. The 2024 Basic Tipton Kentucky Winter Mix Sale. Enter now at basictipton.com. There are plenty of thrills at Gulfstream Park with live thoroughbred action Friday through Sunday and simulcasting seven days a week. Join us on track for weekend stakes races and make plans for opening day of the championship meet on Friday, December 1st. Dine trackside in 10 Palms with an elevated view of the track and grab a cool cocktail in the Carousel Club. For reservations, tickets, and more, head to GulfstreamPark.com. Well, Fazig's family, basically. Some of the guys that work here I've known for 30 years. I just felt really supported and they're, they're great communicators. They try to help in whatever you do. Phasic Tipton's has a sale for every market, every segment in the industry. There's multiple opportunities where you're gonna have plenty of good buying and selling situations. Great customer service. I'm not only a buyer with them, but I'm a seller and I've always been well taken care of. There's a lot of different things that sometimes you need in a sale, and, and Phasing Tipton is there every step of the way. They show year after year that they're ethical and they're fair, and they enjoy what they do. But when you're around people that have a combination of all those things, you know, you can't lose. This is Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Van the out of there, Master Aragon. And for the back, Shaman's Girl looks like a bit of a late chance here. But down the stretch, Ornella under attack from Little Teddy Van Du and Shaman's Girl. Out wide, Shaman's Girl might beat them all the first time starter. Oh yeah, Shaman's Girl and joins in. Gets to the front on the outside. Shaman's Girl coming away. And what a really impressive debut. Shaman's Girl wins the Shady Well three legs. Second Van Du, then Little Teddy, followed by Red Eleanor. Welcome back to Trainer Talk, presented by Fasic Tipton here on HRRN. This, of course, is where racing comes to talk, and I am talking with trainer Harold Leducer on this week's edition of the program. If you missed any portion of the first half of the show, all you have to do is head back to the website, horseracingradio.net. You can listen to the podcast whenever you have some time, and you can listen to all of our shows, either on our website or on every podcast platform. So just type in Horse Racing Radio Network and take a listen whenever you have a little bit of time. Great story associated with Harold Leducer, including the fact that he is going to be inducted into the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame on March 16th. As an incredible honor, he received the news from his wife, Jesse on New Year's Eve, and now he's looking forward to that ceremony coming up in just a couple of months. And we heard the call from Robert Geller of the Shady Well Stakes, and Harold, you were talking about that race as we were getting ready to go to break at the end of the first half of the program. What was going through your mind as you were listening to the call? Oh, it's 
Well, like, it was such a beautiful to hear. I loved listening to that call. It was expected, obviously. That's one of the things. Uh, it was so weird why we went in that race. Uh, obviously, she was supplemented because I got the horse and her sire is Shaman Ghost, which is now an Ontario sire. But the year she was conceived, he wasn't. But I, I, and for some reason, I thought she was all along. So it comes, we pick a race we're going to run her in, and she's not Ontario sire. So obviously, we're not running in the other option of the race, which was 40,000 claiming. And it just so happened to be on the same day was the Shadywell Stakes. So I called Frank and told him our predicament, and he says, yeah, let's go for the stake which I said I was so pleased. I was just tickled inside, but you know, because it was a small field. Uh, some nice horses, you know, like it wasn't, they didn't give it to her, but the way she went by them, it looked like they did. <laughs> she didn't it run like so... she was 23 to 1. No, no, that's for sure. No, she sure didn't. But like her mom and dad, like her mom was a, such a good horse and she's so this, this, uh, you, all you have to do is look at her, and you know this is a good horse. You've been around horses at all? You could just see, like, well, this is obviously a good horse. Like she has that presence, this, the, the body of her and her, her face, and her just the way she carries herself is just so awesome. I love her. But does she have a long tail and a double cowlick? Uh, she does actually. Her tail's <laughs> nice and long. Uh, the cowlick. I don't know. Like, she came from way out of it. <laughs> it's just a normal one. You, you mentioned Frank in reference to Frank Stronach. Shaman's Girl is owned by Stronach Stables and bred by Adina Springs. And uh, Frank Stronach, I think I was telling you during, during our commercial break, is somebody that's had a tremendous influence on HRN and helping us get the network off the ground 20 years ago in the early days. Um, he's also had a tremendous impact on your career too. Tell me more about that. Yes. Uh, well, he he's he's Mister Race. Obviously, he's been so good in this race industry from breeding and, like you said, uh, helping you the HRN and owning tracks and just keeping them going. And how many people does he employ? Which is just, I think, awesome. Uh, and yeah, he's uh, had a big impact on me. Like. I've never done anything like we're doing right now, like training horses in Laurel all of a sudden. And it's because he has such good horses that when he asked me to come, I agreed. I said, okay, for two months, and then we'll have them back at Woodbine for in the middle of March to get ready for the Woodbine meet. How but many of the Stronach horses, horses do you have at Laurel, Harold? Ten. There's some we're going to be running here shortly. They're getting prepped up and ready to ready to run. One thing about Frank Stronach, nobody can ever question his love for the sport. They can question the way he's gone about doing things throughout his career, and he had to make business decisions, obviously, but um, his love for the sport of thoroughbred racing is unquestionable. No, that's for sure. He, he does. He loves it. He was there. We ran one stake uh, Last year, the coronation, and he came to watch his colt run. 
he asked me about certain horses and when I talked to him and he does he, he knows his horses too like he knows what he, they are and like he don't underestimate him he's pretty sharp there's one story I want to tell you about shaman's girl because at Woodbine I I'm a little bit of an artist so I yeah. put these stickers up on the stall doors like for each horse and uh, Woodbine their uh, media was doing a a thing on natives like for their reconciliation so obviously they chose me to come interview seeing that I'm a native yeah and they were asking questions and about you know like just native stuff there about my grandfather and all sorts of other stuff and then they asked me about these stickers as we're walking down looking at the horses and then at shaman's girl stall i had a palm tree and the blue like the blue water and they asked me what what this meant and i said well i like this horse so much that I think she can take me on a vacation. And this was in July when she was just training. <laughs> so that's that just tells you how much I liked her all along. Is she with you now at Laurel Park? Yeah, she, she's here training. So she took she's you on a vacation training. in the winter to Maryland. <laughs> yeah, she did. There's no palm trees here. but right. <laughs> No. Yeah. How do you determine what type of artistry if you will or stickers you're going to use to decorate each of the horses stall doors uh, sometimes i just have to get to know them like i put on like some fiery horses and it's just some horse like flowers uh it just depends like some stars sammy had a one of our favorite horses of all time with sumerian bell and I put the cross there for him, the red cross with yep. uh, flares coming out the side, like so it just looks beautiful, like he was. He was such a beautiful horse. That was my wife's horse. Sadly, we lost him, uh, but I told her that she would never lose him because I did something that I don't even know if another thoroughbred trainer would ever do this, but I did it. I got him cremated for her, so she she could have him at our house. He was she was just so sad to lose him, and I was too. He used to drink Guinness beer like I have him on TikTok, on my TikTok, Haralata sir, and uh, that's the horse that drinks the beer. Coors Light, Guinness, Heineken, it didn't matter. And it was just such a fun horse to be around and. That's probably my favorite horse like that I ever owned with my wife. Maybe not as a racehorse, but he was just so fun and beautiful and big and strong. And and uh, we just loved him. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Harold LaDucer with me here on Trainer Talk presented by Fasig Tipton. And just like all of the trainers who you have heard on this program over the years, that love of the horse is what initially attracted Harold to getting involved with training in Western Canada 
20 years ago, and now here he is training horses in Woodbine and training horses at Laurel. It's a it's a really, really cool story. Um, your wife, Jessie, uh, you mentioned her and her attachment to so many of the horses, certainly Samaria and Bell. But tell me more about how you met Jessie. It, it occurred at Assiniboia Downs in Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Uh, I was in Calgary in 1999 galloping horses and a trainer there Leland Meyer he asked me if I would want to go to work for him in Winnipeg if I had a driver's license whatever like he could help him ship his horses and go to work and I thought about it and I said yeah sure I don't mind and uh, so we go to Winnipeg and for the first week he said his horses are racing and Arizona all winter, we'll just give them a week off. So if I want to go gallop some horses freelance, I could go ahead and try. So I uh, go walking around the stables and I meet a guy which was training horses and he said he had a horse that was running off. Bone Weary was his name every day. He was running off every day. I would come and gallop him. So the next day I go, and I see this groom there. I just start talking to her. And it ended up, she owned that horse, Bone Weary. And I galloped him. He won four races in a row. Four in a row. Four in a row. Never run off with me. And from there, like, we just started hanging out and we went to Florida to work the sales, gallop horses. And she had a yearling. We shipped it down there. His name was Ardent Eddie. And we turned two. We, we didn't want to go back to Winnipeg for reasons I don't have to say over the radio, but. Sure. We'll just leave it at that. And sure. uh and uh so I said I know somebody that's racing in Fort Erie, Marilyn McMullen. And her father just recently passed away and he was the reason why we went there. Robert McGee. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, God rest his soul. Um he had Marilyn's number and I had his card for like just some weird reason I had his card he had given me his card and we're in Florida so we phone phone him and he gives me Marilyn and Mike McMullen's number they give us a stall we ship our horse up there and the rest is history we we live together and she got pregnant we had our son August 18th, and I said, well, now we have to get married. And a month (laughs) later, uh, both our mothers were there. In Niagara Falls, we got married in the Rose Garden outside. It was just beautiful. My mom said it was the best wedding she ever went to. That's fantastic. That's a wonderful story. When you were in Florida... You also spent time working with the late Luke McCathan, who passed away in February of 2022, and you're still associated with the McCathan family. They're very well known 
not just in Florida, but around the country and around the world for their tremendous success that they have had in breaking horses, picking out horses, all of those types of things that they're involved with. Oh. So tell me more about what Luke McCathan and the family meant to you and, and means to you to this day, Harold. Well, Luke, Luke was, I learned more from Luke McCathan in six months than I did in 20 years being around horses, like, but mm. leg problem, like, you know, like just how to work on horses that have problems. And, and, uh, I would just follow him around in the morning because we wouldn't gallop horses when it was dark. But he still wanted us there early because my wife was learning how to gallop horses at the time before she was my wife. But in order to gallop horses at Luke's to learn, you had to clean stalls. So she would clean the stalls early in the morning, and I'd follow Luke around and ask him, just talk to him. Just ask him what he was doing. How is this? What's this for? For every, he'd look at every horse. He wouldn't miss a thing. Like and their feet. He was so good with their feet. It was ridiculous. I'm telling you. Like he just, like I said, I learned so much stuff from Mr. Luke McCathan. We ended up being friends and partners, and we really miss him. And the stuff that he makes that McCathan paints is. Every trainer that ever has a horse should have a gallon of that. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say about it. Like, that's how good it is. Well, he made you a better horseman, and he certainly made your wife, Jessie, a tremendous horsewoman. And today, the two of you work together. She's your assistant. Talk about that dynamic, husband and a wife working together. What, what makes it all click, Harold? Well, it's funny you say assistant because she actually won the – medium-sized stable award at Woodbine this year for assistant trainer. Mm. Yeah, as a past year, I mean, like 2023, she was awarded with an award, uh, and uh, they gave her a check. And she was pretty proud of that, too. And I guess they think she does a great job, and I know she does a great job. She has an eye for a horse like no other. Like I said, she learned from Luke. And he'd watch them walk, and he could see stuff just from a walk that he knew something was wrong. And she has that eye now. She got it from him. Like, he would just cut the smallest amount of hoof, like just trim the bottom of it with a rasp just so slightly if he saw something. And then, sure enough, the horse would walk better. Like It's all about confirmation and speed at these sales. That's what people want good confirmation and fast and he was a master at it and when i worked for him the year we were there he told me it's likely the best year i ever had and that's exactly what he said to me in his words harold latticer you can do things on a horse that no man can't and i'll leave it at that yep yep wow what a wonderful compliment that is to receive you know, one of the things, Harold, that gets lost when people see trainers in the winter circle, they see them out there in the mornings working with the horses, they see their name in the program, is the fact that so many trainers like yourself and Jesse, you have a family and you're raising children. Your son Jacob is 17, Sarah, your daughter, is 13 years old. How do, you, how do the two of you balance the training 
career, the business side of things, your work life with raising children and making sure you're paying attention to them too? Well, Sarah owned Jurich and our steaks when we bred. Her and her grandma <laughs> were the owners. She oh, was so six she's, years old. She's hooked. <laughs> and Jacob owned uh, what was it, Moroccan Dream. We gave him to Jacob. He won a race at Fort Erie. And uh, the reason he had that name was because one of our friends that got killed at the racetrack at Woodbine, and his name was Morad. He was from Morocco. Mm-hmm. And uh, his wife, which because he was my friend, came and asked us if we could do something in his honor. So we named that racehorse Moroccan Dream in Morad's honor. And he won a race at Fort Erie, and which was okay. We just sold him as a riding horse after that. And uh, that Jacob was the owner. Oh, that's great. Fantastic story. Samarian Bell, who you talked about earlier, you told the emotional story of losing Samarian Bell and how you remembered, um, you remembered Samarian Bell by having him cremated and presenting that to your wife, and I know that that meant so much to her. Tell me a little bit more about Jesse. We've been together since 1999. Um, her her presence around me is necessary. I like without her, I don't even want to do the horses. She's just that good at it. Luke even told her because she could take the horses. Going back to Luke McCathen. Because he'd work, they had quarter horses too, not only thoroughbreds. And he said, she's such a natural from the gate, and he would send her to the gate. And like, wow. Like, they, that's how good she was. She even, one time, sat, like this certain kind of horse that had a sort of a round with her, and she couldn't tighten the saddle tight enough. It didn't matter how tight you tightened it, it felt like the saddle was going to roll. So she takes this horse to the gate down in Florida at Luke's farm and they bust it out of there and the saddle rolls a little bit to the side and she still gets the job done, doesn't fall off. Uh, and Luke says to her, the way you can ride, you don't even need a saddle. <laughs> <laughs> well, the apple doesn't yeah. fall far from the tree. That's how you started. Yeah, it's true. Our daughter rides horses, Sarah. She's she's quite good at it too. Uh, she got, goes, but she wants to be more of a show rider. But she did ask me if I could teach her to gallop, and I gave her Wake Up Maggie. Mm-hmm. I said you can have Wake Up Maggie for going over jumps and like just as your own riding horse. Uh, so I said, and you'll guarantee learn how to gallop on her because she loves to gallop. And said, all you have to do is just put your hands down, put your feet up for, a little bit forward, and squeeze your knees together, and, and just chirp there, and you'll learn how to gallop. Will she become a jockey one day? Uh, she's kind of tall. Uh, and Jacob's big, too. He's th- he likes riding, too, like just ponies. Like, he could probably be a good pony, like a, lead the guys out to the track and that kind of stuff, but... He's going to go to school, he's going to go to business, and and he's big, like he was captain of his 
rugby team in high school. And he does basketball, baseball. So he's a big boy. He's for sure no jockey. Yeah. How important is it, Harold, to make sure that your indigenous heritage is being instilled on Jacob and Sarah? They love being native. They Jacob was, he had the honor of being chosen by the North York Catholic School Board to represent the school board for their reconciliation for natives. Awesome. And they took them to Saskatchewan where they went to museums and did stuff like they did stuff for for that honor like he was chosen for it so he was quite honored for it and he's an honor student too like he's smart and my daughter is also she she's a person that when she has homework she comes home and does it before anything so she enjoys school and they like being smart. No, oh, that's wonderful. It's a, it's a great story, and it's a family business, a family operation, if you will. Uh, talking about the Latisor family, and it is uh, really special to be visiting with Harold here on the program. Harold, we're down to the final five minutes or so, and when I get to the end of the program here on Trainer Talk, I like to ask trainers to let us know something about them that we haven't talked about yet. So. Are there other interests or hobbies or things that you enjoy maybe outside of racing? I want to go gold mining one day. I just want to go to Alaska. Like I always said that to my wife. I said, if this business ever goes downhill or where we don't want to do it no more, we could go live off grid because I have the experience from when I grew up. We can go gold mine or just live in the bush, trap, snare, shoot moose, uh, look after it, preserve everything. I can do it all, even grow a garden. So if that was anything that I would rather do than horse race, which I'm addicted to is horse racing, but in the back of my mind, I say it to my wife, we could just sell our house, Go build an off-grid place up in the Yukon or the Northwest Territories or even Northern Alberta. Uh, It doesn't have to be even Winnipeg. My wife owns a farm there, 10-acre farm. It's on the outskirts of Winnipeg by Assiniboine Downs. Mm -hmm. So we have options. How does she feel about the living off the grid concept? She never said no yet. (laughs) That's a win. Yeah, she didn't say no yet, but she's not, maybe not in a hurry to do it. But like I said, she didn't say no. It's just, I like, it's, I think I'd be good at it. First of all, like I have that work ethic that I like you have to work in life to get to where you are like I do a lot of the work myself I'm a real hands-on kind of guy so I I learned that from Luke McCaffrey you have to know your horses and if you don't go down and look at them or feel them or check them or even know their names or say hi to them or give them a mint 
or whatever, bridle them for their groom, anything, brush their tail, just feed them lunch, give them a carrot, all that kind of stuff. The horses get to know you more and more and more. And that makes them just so happy. And that's why when you see our stats, we run horses at an average of 23 to 1, just like Shaman's Girl was. But yet they run second in stakes races. They win. Uh, they're happy. It's not from the, the, the stats that Equibase gives and, and the, the, the people, that, the, the, the guys that, the, the odds makers for the certain tracks, they're the ones that always want to pick the, the Drexlers and the Cassies and the yeah. Roger Atfields. But they don't, they overlook us. But yet the horses are happy because what of what I said we do for them. And that's why they put out at those big odds. They put out. They don't care what the odds are. No, they, they can't read the tote board, Harold. No, they want to run. They can't read the tote board. And as long as they're happy, they will show up and they will run. There's no doubt about it. And, Harold, I know you're extremely happy doing what you love, working with the horses. I want to wish you all the best going forward this winter at Laurel, and then when you get back to Woodbine, keep it rolling, my friend, and uh, congratulations again on being inducted into the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame. Quite an honor. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for that. I enjoyed myself today. Hope you have a good day yourself. Yep, wonderful visit. Harold Latisor here on Trainer Talk presented by Phasic Tipton. If you miss any portion, head back to our website, Horse Racing Radio. .net. You can listen to the full podcast there. You can do that as well on every podcast platform. For my producer, Lee Delapina, in our Lexington studios, I'm Mike Penna. Thanks for listening to Trainer Talk, presented by Phasic Tipton.